0: You're listening to Sports and More with Chris and Tom. Welcome back. It's the guy with the face for radio and the voice for a sound movie. This is the XFL recap show with Chris. Welcome back, everybody. Good to be back. Yes, different intro. I actually took the time to write down a script instead of going off the top of my head. We had some things planned out. It's actually going to flow a little bit better. Uh, It takes a little bit of time for me to get things going, especially when I just want to start talking and recording my XFL stuff. But I've taken the time to get some things down and under control. I will eventually get an intro and outro for the XFL only stuff, but I do not have that as of yet. So we're still doing the XFL, the uh, sports Records and Tom intro, but we will get there eventually. But let's get into what happened in week six. Chris has some gloating for this episode. He was... There will be. Chris is very happy about what happened. He predicted most of the things that would happen. He was wrong about one of the things, but he's happy generally about what happened. Sort of happy. Happy he was right, not happy about who won some games, but let's get into it. Week six results for the XFL. In the first game, we had the Sea Dragons go up against the Guardians. I told you, give me the Sea Dragons by at least 10 or more. Sea uh, Dragons actually only won by 7. The Guardians played an excellent game. It was 26-19, the final score in Orlando. Uh James QB, Denucci only threw one pick this time around. I get only one pick is good for Danucci, but watching the game, he should have thrown at least five. In oh, all honesty, he was bad. He was awful. I think he went 18-35 throwing the ball. It was a uh, poor performance. The Guardians essentially said, we're going to play zone coverage, and we're going to dare you to throw the ball into the, and find the open receivers." Like, um... Which is confusing to someone who sees when you run a run at your offense. Zone tends to help them out. They just sit down in the zone while and passes easy throws. But Danucci kept looking for the bomb and kept missing it or throwing it right at people. It was just an odd game for the Sea Dragons. Their defense did okay, but not as great as they usually do. and It was just an odd game for the Dragons. You just watched it and said, hmm... I'm pretty sure the Guardians might win this. I, I thought I, there were times I thought the Guardians would actually beat the Sea Dragons. I'm gonna be dead wrong in this, but so happy for my Battle Hawks. But of course, it didn't happen. Sea Dragons came out ahead. The Guardians even had their best game of the year or so easily by far this year. But they also it could have been like a once in a lifetime game if they would have had enough picks to save the day. Quentin Dormandy was decent enough a QB for the uh, for the Guardians, but not good enough to win this football game. And help them beat a very good C football team. But overall, good game for the Giants. I actually feel a lot better about them now than I did uh, even last week, where I saw them play a good, a, at least half a good game on offense. This game was more complete, not totally complete, but it was good enough to where you said see the guys actually look like a football team. And for the night recap on Saturday nights, you had the bat the Battle Hawks go into Los. Vegas Viva Las Vegas and eviscerate the Vipers 2096 it was revenge the balls were ticked off that they lost the defenders in demand the that they did giving up 200 plus rushing yards to Abram Smith and they were they just came out with an absolute vengeance said never again and the Vipers paid the price for what happened the week before in St. Louis. The defense play uh, inspired football. There's no other way of putting it. They were down in their top corner in safety, and it meant nothing. The defense was on fire. The D-line was uh, just bullying the Vipers O-line. The Vipers had no response to that defense. And A.J. McCarron didn't need the, didn't need the O.C. Bruce Grankowski to call plays. He actually lost connection for the headset. Actually, he was picking up the defense. his own defensive coordinator, Danny Abraham's, uh, player just calling out to see if the linebackers could hear him going player check, player check. So, uh, McCarron didn't have a play call for it. play calls for a drive. He just called his own plays, drove him down the field, scored a touchdown because it's AJ McCarron and he knows his offense. And at one point in this game, he completed 19 straight passes. He went 23 or 29. He was on fire. Three of those incompletions were drops, straight up drops, like not good defense, not an air throw, straight up hit the guy in the hand. He dropped the football. Now, Darius Shepard is showing up as a, a number two receiver, potential number one receiver for the Hawks. If a if Hakeem Butler gets taken out of a game, which he was, but the Viper said, you're not going to be as with the Hakeem no. Butler, be with someone else. In the, and A.J. McCann said, okay, uh, how about this Darius Shepard fellow who just is always wide open when he runs, uh, when you just stick him one-on-one? And that's what worked to perfection. And the Vegas, so on one side, Hawks did everything right, uh, did maybe a fourth-and-one conversion where they ran a – draw a, a halfback dive which you're not very for the Hawks offense does not operate well on short yard situation when you're just running down someone's throats. they're not good at that that's not their strength and it was like just a bad play call but other than that the offense did very very well throughout most of the game contrasted to the Vipers who did nothing right I mean they didn't do jack right as have like, one little uh, swing pass to the halfback that went for six that was it uh, the offense did not play well, no matter if it was Luis Perez or Brett Hundley or whoever else you want to play at quarterback. It was not working, and the defense, uh, which for the Vipers has been uh, garbage, garbage, as you might say if you're from San Island for the, most of the season, was garbage again, and they got eviscerated. No, nothing else to say for Vegas. They they did not play good football, and they lost. This season, the Sunday's game, where I told you this is the Dud of the week. This is a a rematch from Week Five. The Brahmas and Renegades, this time in Arlington, it was a bad game first time around. It was a bad game second time around. It took them a quarter and a half to get more points on the board than quarterbacks played. I'm. There were four quarters played in the first quarter and a half. It took them that long to get six points on the board. It took forever. It was slow. There was no offense. These two, it was who was going to make the defensive play to win the football game, and it turned out to be the Browns winning 15-9, despite playing a third-string quarterback and a quarterback they just picked up on Thursday from the Roughnecks because their starting quarterback, Jack Cohn, Went down with an injury in practice. And their second-string quarterback, who they were playing uh, last week as well, Senate went down with an injury in the middle of the game against the Renegades as well. So they were down quarterbacks. They also lost Kaelin Bellage for the year to a torn Achilles in practice this week. So they were down their start halfback. They starting QB. Down 3-0 linemen. Down everybody else. And they, they still pull out a win against the Renegades because the Renegades have no Offense, they went, they pulled the same thing. They the renegades went through out, drew plates, Kyle Slower and it nothing there is no difference between the two quarterbacks. I'll has uh, got the better arm, and Slater can read defense. The problem is, Slower can't throw the ball down the field for than 15 yards, and plick can't find a one open. The, 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 the renegades have no offense, good defense, no offense, and that is just a bad sign of things to come for the renegades if they can't figure out how to move the football when they can't run the football, when they can't run the football, they're screwed. And it's the Brahmas and running are one of those teams will, will, one of those teams will unfortunately be in the playoffs instead of Seattle or St. Louis, whoever makes misses it from the North, which is unfortunate because those two teams are better than the, are better than Arlington and San Antonio on any given day easily, pretty much every day. I would say they're better than those two teams, but unfortunately we will have to have one of the, one of these two teams in the playoffs. Because Orlando is 0-6, so they got no chance. But I digress. I talked enough about the Brahmins and the Renegades sucking at football and sucking the life out of the season. Let's get into the game of the week. The game that lives up to all the billing, all the hype, the D.C. defenders. (sighs) Sorry, I don't like D.C. I'm trying not to boo them. trying to be nice. But they... Absolutely hammered the Roughnecks thirty-seven to twenty-six. That score does not indicate how badly the defenders were beating the Roughnecks. They were slapping them silly around the field. Uh They got they did their typical DC thing where they pl- do some extracurriculars during the play that no one notices except for the other team. The other team retaliates and they get ejected and get penalized. I know that just that's the DC way. They do that every time. You have to pl- you have to ignore them. The players can't seem to do that, and it costs them in the long run. And that's the referees just were out of sorts the whole game, and they just couldn't figure out what to do with the players, the officiating. It was, it was, they were having a rough time in DC. But what can I say about DC? What else can I say about them? They're the best team in the league. They make the least mistakes. They can run on you. They can pass the ball against you. They play good defense. There's nothing more I can say about DC other than they're the best team in the league. I still think the can beat them on any given Sunday, any given Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whenever. It's just that the Hawks have to play a clean game, which they've not done so. So, shout out to DC, you're number one. Uh, good job. Thank you for being Houston and confirming what I said about Houston and Brandon Silvers because I told y'all, I told all of y'all about Houston and Brandon I told you they were frauds. I told each and every one of you. If you listened to Chris, you knew this was coming. You knew the second Houston played real football teams, they would suck. I told y'all. I told y'all this. I was on it from the get-go. I had to listen for three hours uh, or, or more because every game... Every games we talk about the DC defenders, Houston Reverends, the best two teams in the league going up against each other. I kept saying, no, they're not. DC is the best. Yes, Houston is not the best team in the in not the same best team in the league. They are not. Stop it. Their four wins are against Orlando twice, Arlington and San Antonio. They are being nobody. Stop it. I kept yelling at the TV, just stop it. They are not that good. Stop it. Uh, it just annoying listening to ESPN talk about football because they. Uh, but then again, this is a sports station. Doesn't know what a woman is, so it's hard to get mad them when they don't know about football. So, but I digress. Uh, these it, it, Houston is was a fraudulent four uh, 0 team. They were not that good. Silvers, as I told you guys, the second he gets pressure, he folds like a, like a cheap like a cheap suit. Uh, he got benched for Colt McDonald because he was just that garbage in the blitz and finding guys open and reading a defense. It, Brandon Silvers has all the talent to throw the football. He cannot play football, though. He can't read defense. He can't pick up a blitz. He can't execute a blitz. He just can't do those things. And he will hold that Houston every time because Silvers, when he has a little bit of pressure, folds up, and he just has this, this vibe. And there's just this vibe with Silvers that I don't like. You, can just, you just feel it when you listen to him talk, watch him move around. There's a vibe with service you just don't get. Like H.M. McCarron, great vibes. Jordan Tamu, great vibes. Zero King, great vibes. Benzianucci for all his interceptions and things, good vibes. He's just got this chaotic vibe about him, that, but not in the, the bad way, more or less in he's like, he's just going to go out there and throw the ball wherever, and whatever happens, happens. It's not like he's chaos in the bad way. He's chaos in the, oh, let's see what happens. And then even the Broncos and Renegades, these are quarterbacks, have good vibes. I know you can't quantify vibes. You can't tell what vibes are, but I can just tell you the vibes are not there with Brandon Silvers. But those, That's what happened in week six. You had Seattle win, called it. St. Louis win, called it. Broncos win, didn't call that one right, but in my defense, those are two bad football teams, and it's hard to tell who's going to win that game when both teams suck on offense. And DC wins, called that. So 3-1 last week. Pretty good, making up for that 1-3 showing last week. I'm happier about it. Not so happy that the Grimes didn't pull up the upset, or excuse me, they beat DC to help out the Badhawks, but I digress. Let's get into the actual Saints after six weeks, because these have we're closing in on the playoffs. It's a 10-week season. There's only 10 games. We have four games to go. So playoffs are on the line in every single game, except if you're Orlando or DC at this point. DC... So let's uh, look at the North Division when it comes to the XFL. Number one in the North Division, defenders at 6-0. and They're undefeated, as we all know. They have a two-game lead on St. Louis. Both of St. Louis are to DC, actually. So the Valors are 4-2 and two right behind them, but both of us are two to the defenders. So there's essentially no way St. Louis can catch DC unless DC falls off a cliff in these last four games, which I highly doubt unless they get hit by the injury bug. And that's that's straight up the only reason why DZ has no chance. That's the only way DZ doesn't win the division and have the top seed in the playoffs. Balloks at second at four and two, followed by the Sea Dragons at four and two. So they're tied at four and two. The difference is the Balocs have beaten the Sea Dragons in week beat the Sea Dragons in week two, giving them that tiebreaker. So that the Balocs Sea Dragons uh, number two spot in the XFL North could come down to their matchup in I believe week nine in St. Louis, where the winner of that game could just clinch the two seed outright and be done with. It. If the Balocs win, they clinch the two seed. They could clinch the two seed and be done with it. But we have to wait a little bit to get to see if that is the game, the deciding game of the series. And who gets to go into the playoffs? And lastly, the Vipers at one in five. Not a terrible football team, despite what they showed this weekend. But they're just not on the level of the Defenders, Ballocks, or Sea Dragons. So they're at one in five. They look terrible compared to those three teams. But they're they're just stuck in a good conference. Meanwhile, the South Division has tightened dramatically because Houston's had to play real football teams. Now they're losing football games. All of a sudden they're at four and two in first place in the South. I with the Renegades at three and three right behind them, one game out, but don't take the bait Houston's gonna win the division because they they still have they only have two games left against the North, the Battlehawks and Vipers. And then they play the rest of their division twice two more times, which they'll win easily. They they will sweep their division, go 6-0 in the division. They might go uh, we'll see what they do against the Hawks and the Vipers, but this is a team that at most will probably have three losses, I think, but and they will go on and win the division with ease because their division just sucks, Ben. Like I said, Arlington's three and three, their wins are against the Brahmas the Guardians, and somehow the Vipers in Week 1. So those are their three wins. They've been a grand total of nobody as well. The Browns' wins are against the Guardians and the Renegades. Again, they've been nobody. The Browns are 2-4 right behind the Renegades, like I said during the uh, update, the recap from last week. Unfortunately, the Renegades or Browns will be in the playoff. Unfortunately, we don't get to see... D.C., St. Louis, and Seattle in the playoffs, and Houston. That would be epic. That would be fun. But now, we, had, because we're doing the top two teams from each division make the playoffs, we unfortunately have to deal with Arlington or San Antonio in the playoffs at, instead of either the Hawks or the Dragons. And the Guardians are 0-6. They're about done. They're, they're three games behind with four games to go. They're essentially mathematically eliminated. That's how it goes. They're actually further. They are as far out as the Vipers are. Vipers are essentially mathematically eliminated. They're three games out as well. So essentially, you have the Battlehawks and Sea Dragons fighting for the two spot in the north, and the Rough, the Roughnecks, Renegades, and Brahms still fighting for the division lead. Really, it's the Roughnecks to lose. I don't see them losing it. And so essentially, it's the Renegades and are duking out for the two seed. So with that uh, excellent recap of what happened in Week Six and the divisions, how do the power? How were the power rankings affected by what Chris saw this week? Well, I'm gonna be honest with you, not much, because I got what I thought I was gonna get outside some uh, shocks from teams that made me question where I ranked them on this list. So number eight, Orlando, 0 and six. They played an excellent game against Seattle, but they still don't have a win. You got to win the game to get out of the dungeon. And this is part you got to win the game. You got to show me you can win a football game to get out of the eighth spot. The Vegas Vipers go down from six down. They're now at seven, at one and five. They just played an awful game against St. Louis. This was their chance to show they can go toe to toe with a team, much like they did with Seattle, where Seattle had a comeback, in the last minute to uh, with a 65 year bomb to Josh Gordon to win 30 26. We needed to see if Vegas had that against St. Louis. They didn't. St. Louis just slapped them around all over the field, and it was just one of those moments where you realize there are levels to this. St. Louis is up here, way at the top, and Vegas is down here, way at the bottom. So Vegas drops because there's levels to this thing. Number six, the Brahmas go from seven to six, back up to where I've had most of the season. Uh, Not really most of the season, where I have them lately. Um, because they, they, despite all the adversity, losing their star Havoc, losing their starting quarterback, have do, down three linemen, down everybody, they came out, got a win against Arlington. Kudos to you guys. Uh, do I think Vegas could beat San Antonio? Probably. I don't know. San Antonio a really good defense and the Vegas Vipers have no defense. So maybe the no defense Vipers would help the Browns have an offense. It's. One of those, it's hard to tell who would win that game. So I'm going to go the team team I know can win multiple games against a team not named Orlando. So you get points for that when you beat someone who's not named the Orlando Guardians. You get points in this league. Uh, Number five still Arlington Renegades at three and three. Yes, they lost to San Antonio, but. Uh, Arlington does have that one win against Vegas. They Again, their wins are against number 6 San Antonio, number 7 Vegas, number 8 Orlando. Do I think Ar- Arlington is a good football team? No, I do not. But are they better than San Antonio? I Probably. It's hard to tell because like, they have no offense. They and they have health on their side, but that's about it. And that might not be enough if San Antonio figures out their offense. So, I just do not know if San Antonio can do that. I think they got a lot of help from Arlington with the sack fumble. And that could be the only thing that changes that that's the only reason why the Browns scored a touchdown in that game. No one else scored a touchdown. There's just a bunch of field goals being scored. So it's one of those things where like, I don't know who's better between the two. I still don't know. I've wa- I've watched the highlights from the week five game, watched all of week six. And I still don't know who's better because they both equally suck on offense and I, and they both just don't give you any advice of what that they know what the heck they're doing. So I'm sticking with the team with one more win, not because I have more of a conviction about them, but because I know they're healthier than the team at number six. F four, where I've had them for the last, I don't know, three weeks now, Houston Roughnecks, four and two, because I told y'all they were f- phonies at four and two. I told y'all, I told y'all, I will keep saying, I was right. I was right. Houston Houston's the four and two, because they have faced two real teams in D.C. and C.L. and lost both times. Number three going down for number two, the CLC because they didn't look good against Orlando. I'm telling you, Orlando should have won that football game because Seattle played that bad on offense. If Orlando was a slightly better defensive team and a slightly better offense, like Houston Roughnecks level team, they would have won that game. It's hard to tell because Houston lost and Seattle did the exact same thing to them. If Quinton I said, It's hard to tell because Orlando has... A better quarterback, I think, than Brandon Silvers was hard to tell because the Gurts just aren't that talented and they're just not that good on defense. It's, it's, uh, I just don't know. Seattle didn't look good against Orlando and it kind of jades me, in my opinion, because everyone else that's going up against Orlando has beaten them rather handily outside of Vegas, who beat them by three in a shootout. So essentially, they play a, a Vegas level game, except worse because Seattle kept Orlando in the game by throwing picks everywhere. So See, i move the ball well. It's just that Bendinucci is Bendinucci and Bendanucci will Bendanucci by throwing the ball to everyone on the field, including the other team, <laughs> for, to, to try and get completions. Number two, going over number three is the Battlehawks because they went up against the Lesser Fo- Fo- and did what you should do, and that is shellacum. them and say, okay, we've lost this DC twice, and that's it. And both times we had chances to tie the football game, and then we just. Couldn't pull it together to finish the the comeback. We know we can beat DC. We will show you we can beat DC by running the gosh darn table now and shellacking everyone who gets in the way. I liked what I saw from St. Louis. They showed up and said, never again will a team do that to us. We're coming for you, DC. We want you one more time. And I like the vibes out of St. Louis, especially with AJ McCarron at quarterback. And number one, DC Defenders 6 and0, that, that, that garb, that, that toxic East Coast uh, franchise is the best team. They don't make mistakes. they run the ball well, they pass the ball well. They do everything well. they do special teams well. they're just the best team. I got to give it to them. They have done their job. Way to go, DC. I still don't like you. Now let's get into the QB ratings because uh, actually nothing changed on that much. It's actually kind of shocking when I look back at like I don't have any movement on these because well nothing changed my mind. I didn't see anything changing my mind. I saw a lot of confirmation of what I've been seeing the whole year, but I didn't see anything that would say, oh, I should put this guy above this guy or this situation above this situation, because I just didn't see it. Uh, at number 8, I've just put San Antonio QBs on that line cause I don't know who's a QB at this point. They all suck equally right now, so San Antonio goes to, it stays at 8 with their QB situation. because It's just awful, whether it's injuries or just playing backups or not having an offense. It, San Antonio is just the pits at quarterbacks, only slightly worse than Arlington at QB, who I have at 7 because Arlington has no idea what they're doing because they have no QB either. You have two teams with... A grand total of zero QBs. They have six QBs combined played between them, and they have a grand total of zero QBs. So you go to the bottom bottom, bottom of this list. Again, this is where if you have a quarterback, you have an answer. Even if you have a two QB system that you use effectively, and it's a good plan, you get points. When you have no plan and no QB and nothing working for you, you get Paxton lick treatment on this list. You get the Paxton Lynch where you stay down at the bottom for as long as I can put you. If I could go, if I could redo this list again, I'm looking at this right now, I would make it an 11-team list, put San Antonio at 11, on 10, 10, and have some of the backup quarterbacks on this list, in this list, instead of putting them with their uh, counterparts because dang it, those two teams suck at quarterbacks. Okay, but I digress. Sorry. I get very, very heated when I see bad QB play, and it's just so blatantly, obviously, bad. Bears fan, I have scars from it. It just is what it is. So at Number six, I've got Quinton Dormandy for the Guardians. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do this week. He played, actually, a pretty good game. If it was a little bit better, he would have in Seattle. If he's just a little bit better, he would have won that game, but he's still trying to figure it out with a uh, but the uh, QB coach Shane Matthews is still trying to put together an offense after having to sit and watch Paxton Lynch for four weeks do nothing. They are trying to piece together an offense at the last second and maybe win a football game. And if I have on this list the Brett Hundley, Luis Perez, or Luis Perez, Brett Hundley, however you want to put it, Vegas Rappers offense. Because it's. I have more film on them than I have on Dormandy. I only have two games of Dormandy. I have more film of Hundley and Luis Perez. Where I've seen them play well enough to win games more consistently, outside of this past week where they just got shellacked by St. Louis, and and I know there was the old the uh, monsoon in Vegas where they didn't do anything right. That was a monsoon. I'm going to give them. I gave them a pass on this. And looking back, I was too harsh back in my week uh, my week two recap. So I'm being kinder to them. I'm, I to remember they had a monsoon game that shouldn't really count against you when you're ranking quarterback, So. If Dormady has another good game and they have another step back, I'm going to move Dormady up. That's just how it goes. I've, I'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt to, to the guys I know who can do it versus the guy who's had two weeks to do it. And just that three weeks is usually a good window to see, okay, it's a trend now. Two weeks, not really sure. Three weeks is a trend. F4, still on the list. F4, the Silver's-McDonald combination because as I told all of you, I don't trust Brandon Silver's he cannot handle the pressure. He does not have the good vibes of a leader. He does not throw the ball well when there's everyone covered. He can't read defense, but he's better than the rest of the bums on his list. So they they go up to four and McDonald actually looks really really good for the runbacks. He looks excellent. Uh, if the if the Silver shows again, don't be surprised if they go to McDonald and become more of a uh, RPO offense instead of a air raid offense. McDonald has that ability to throw the football where De'Aaron King does not as well. So, Derek King's not as good of a thrower as McDonald is, so it gives him a little bit of an edge in that regard. At three on this list, I got Ben the CJ still at three. Again, do I want him at three? No. If I had other options, I would put them above Ben Denucci, But he somehow gets wins despite throwing them all to everyone but his own team. It's like the Brett Favre conundrum at quarter. Uh, Sorry, allegedly. I got to, to quote the Pat McAfee show, I have say allegedly now because I don't want to get sued by Brett Favre. <laughs> so, uh, but allegedly Danucci has a problem throwing the football to the other team. Allegedly. Allegedly. I could be mistaken. I could be wrong about that, but uh, 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 Danucci has an a, a alleged Brett Favre problem when throwing the football to the other team. Uh, he throws the ball all over the place, and by all over the place, I mean at the ground, at the sky, at the receiver, at the corner, at the ref, at the at the The um, goalposts he throws it everywhere all at once, and sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's just you just scratch your head going, What the F is this guy doing? So he's at three because I trust him more than Silver's, ironically, because at least I know what I'm getting from Danucci, and he will at least still have the confidence vibes of I'm going to get this job done. Where Silver sometimes just goes into shell, and I'll take the guy who has the confidence despite being chaotic. At two hours this list still, the Te'amu-Derek King combination. Because again, they don't have to do as much as the other guys. Yes, Te'amu did a lot. He did a lot against St. Louis the first time around. And a lot against Houston last week. But he typically doesn't have to win you the football game. Which is a good spot to be in in this league. He just has to be good enough to get the job done. Same with Derek King. And they do that. They're consistently good enough to get the job done. And that's all you can ask for times. is Just get the job done. And not make mistakes. They're not the greatest at reading defenses, uh, but they do. But when they have, when they are told this guy's gonna be on this play, this play, and your second guy is this guy, they will read the defense well. Not great, but they will do do it well enough to get the job done. And I, I give props, I think credit where credit's due. But number one on this list should come as no surprise: AJ McCarron of oh, the Battle Hawks. because he does everything you want at quarterback. He can read a defense. He can drop back pass. Scan the field, find his target, do it right. Call the audibles himself. He run the offense without an OC. He calls the plays himself. He can audible himself. He doesn't need help from the QB from the OC talking to him because, as you guys know, in the XFL, the OC can talk to the QB up until the snap of the football, and they do that for every other every QB in league, but Agent McCarron. Agent McCarron. Uh, Greg Kelsey gives him the play call, and then he might move the receivers to just hey move this guy in like two steps, and that's it. Outside of that, he sits, shuts up and lets McCarron go to work, which is the credit to AJ McCarron. I give props to a guy who actually knows what football is and can actually read a defense. So AJ McCarron stays at the one spot. Like I said, no movement in QBs. Everyone stayed where they were, except for my disdain for Arlington and San Antonio. Just keeps going down, be, keeps increasing because they just have no QBs, and it's just sorry to watch. And I, I'm still befuddled by what to do with Ben Silvers, McDonald, Hundley, uh, Norman. I Quinn Dormer. I that that group from three to six. I have no idea what what to do. I, as I said, I would love to move Denucci down to six. I just can't do it because he at least wins football games. I just can't do it. it the picks annoy the snot of me, but he wins games. I don't know what to do with it. He's not like Tim Tebow where he can't throw a football or the, he's, he can at least throw a football it's just I'm just stuck going. I wish I had other options, but I just don't. So he's at three. Whew. After a very long power rankings and Chris trying to get out all his frustrations and emotions with after I'm trying to get all my fresh and emotions about what I'm seeing in the season. Let's get on to week seven. We're getting to nitty gritty here. Let's see who we have going against who and who do I think is going to win. Maybe I can go four for four this week. Then in the first game on Friday, March SXP the same time on FX. Hi on. Sneeze going. <coughs> Sorry guys. Sneeze coming. Sneeze was coming and I had to get it out. Ah. Uh. Sea dragons my third my number three team on the power rings versus the number five team the renegades on Friday March the first at six p.m. central time on FX. Um, I got the C dragons by four in this game because uh, this game will be closer than we think because the throws the ball to the other team a lot, and that could play in Arlington's favor because remember, Sa- uh, Arlington beat Vegas because Luis Perez threw two pick sixes, so that might tip the scales in this game if Arlington has a does better than what Orlando did when. Uh, Deniji gives them an opportunity to get picks. So Giants by four, but I have the Giants upset alert. They are the team on this list. I would say upset's coming. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the upset if the upset happened. I'm not gonna say it will happen. I'm just saying it might happen. So I'll be ready for that. Number six. Now the second game of this weekend is on Saturday, April first at two p.m. Central time, Saturday time on ESPN two. The number six Antonio Brahmas at number number seven Vegas Vipers. Uh, Who do I have in this game? I've got Vegas again by two because I don't have confidence in the other team. I just think Vegas is healthier than San Antonio at this point. I'm going to go with the team with health for the team without health, the team that is going to be a little bit angry at how they played last week and may come out with a little bit of heat. As we saw in St. Louis, it it might help a little bit. They come out with a bit more determination to try to get a dub, even though it won't help Vegas get in the playoffs. It may help us change our minds about what this team could do next season. The nightcap for Saturday is going to be a stinker, only because it's the number one D.C. defenders. Boom! Versus the number eight the guards. Ugh! Uh, at 5 p.m. Central Saturday time, Central Central time on Saturday on ESPN, uh, defenders are the best team. Uh, defenders by 10 is a comfortable line. If the line is anything close to 10, like less than 10 for the defenders to win, take that line. Defenders will win that game. Orlando's not is playing better football, but not that much better. Not 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 to the point where they're going to beat D.C. D.C. does not beat themselves. They went to have a uncharacteristically bad game to lose to Orlando, okay? As the uncharacteristically bad, Orlando has to play other gosh darn gourds to win that game. So, D.C. wins that game, and just watch it happen. And the game of the week, it's going to be a Sunday night game. It's going to be on April 2nd, and one actually Sunday afternoon, sorry. Sunday at April 2nd at 1 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. St. Louis Battle Hawks. Where Cacau is the law. Go into Houston. The number four Houston next to duke it out to see if Houston will go 0-3 against the best teams in the league. I've got the Battle Hawks by two. It's going to be a tight game. This is one of those games where St. Louis is going to struggle early, come on late, and take the game over when they need to. Give me St. Louis in this game. I know I've had them against D.C. twice. But I just watched D.C. shellac Houston in a way they could not shellac St. Louis. St. Louis was able to keep up with D.C. in a way Houston could not give me St. Louis in this game. I think they're the better football team. I think they have the better quarterback. Their defenses might be equal-ish, but I'm going to take the team I know is on a mission to make the playoffs that, is not, that has to fight and scratch every game because they know if they lose a the game, Seattle could take the division, take the 2C from them. So give me St. Louis, let them scratch let him claw. Let win. So, recap. On Friday, March 31st, at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on FX, I got the Dragons over Arlington, but watch for the upset. It could happen. It could be another shocking upset. Just be, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's the one upset I'm sure could happen. The rest of these games, uh, I don't think DC's going to get upset by Arlington. No, just go there and say that. The second game is the Browns the Vipers on Saturday, April 1st at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time on ESPN 2. I like the Vipers in this game. Either team winning is not an upset because the other team is particularly good. And then D.C. goes to Orlando also on Saturday, April 1st, this time at 5 p.m. right after the, the early game on ESPN. D.C. wins this game laughing. Um, Orlando doesn't upset D.C. unless something bad happens to D.C. That, that's the, There's no two ways about it. And then the the Sunday afternoon game, the final game of the weekend, the Battle Hawks go to the Houston at 1 p.m. on Sunday on ESPN giving the Hawks to win. I love my Hawks. I will defend them. And I think they take this game because they're just the better team, the better coach team. The better the team is more battle test, I should say. They've gone in they fought Seattle. They fought DC twice. they faced their three other games. They've been against the top teams in this league. Yes, two they have two losses to DC, but they've fought DC before so they know how to fight Houston. They've beaten Seattle which beat Houston. I'm going ride with the team I know can get the job done. But that's what I have for you guys. A fun episode. A lot of fun. Um, going to be a good week of football. Outside, will probably the San Antonio-Vegas game and then the shellacking that uh, DC's going to get Orlando. But even though you at least get to see one good football team play. Uh, but it should be a fun week of football ahead of us. But... Uh, uh, before I go, I'll, before I sign off this episode, I'd like to thank all of, all of you, probably the tens uh, tens of people listening to my ridiculous tinks and ramblings on all things XFL, especially when I proclaim I'm correct and just have a little parade for myself or when I just get frustrated with DC or when I declare for the thousandth time, give me AJ McClutch to win a game because I trust him more than any other QB in this league. Our, the next episode that time that I will be creating is tonight, actually. So a header for me. I'm going to be a little bit tired. I might be a little bit gassed for this episode, so please be aware that the episode we'll record tonight. I might be a little tired. I'm going to be off words from recording this episode, but keep an eye on the Facebook page for updates regarding the show and uh, and regarding the next episode. After this episode we record tonight, but until that time, please stay safe, stay healthy, and stay free. And remember, in the XFL, Caw is the law. Sports and more with Cresson Tom is brought to you by No One. All non original thoughts and ideas were properly noted during each segment.